0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Childproofing people's homes is hard.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Chuck bringing you this week's SYSK Select. And uh, we are going there, people. Well, Josh actually doesn't even know I'm picking this one yet, so he might be mad. But uh, what you're about to hear is the legendary How the Sun Works episode. Uh, and if you haven't heard us talk about this over the years, then you haven't listened to many episodes or heard many interviews with us because this one has gone down in Stuff You Should Know lore as uh, what we call our worst episode ever because it was so hard and we were so in over our heads and we were clinging to the cliffside by our little nubby fingers during the entire podcast and got a lot of it wrong. And so uh, instead of burying this thing, uh, I chose to highlight it this week. So uh, without further ado, from January 14th, 2010... Uh, our amazing episode, How the Sun Works. Enjoy.
2: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know
0: from HowStuffWorks.com
1: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. That's Chuck Bryant.
0: <laughs> Charles
1: Charles W. Bryan is not very happy right now. Um, I'm going to handle this, okay, Chuck? The whole thing? No, no, no. Oh. Um, this disclaimer. Okay. Uh, as we proved with our uh, Large Hadron Collider podcast, Chuck and I are not physicists. By the way, it doesn't shoot light. No. We found um, out. Speaking of light, we're about to talk about sun. Yes. And I just want to say that Chuck and I are not astrophysicists either. No. We're just a couple of guys who like to drink some beer and, you know, <laughs> just
0: talk, just rap. I thought I was an astrophysicist until I read the sun article and then my brain melted and oozed out of my you ear. You thought
1: you were an astrophysicist? No. Nah. You were way off. Yeah, way off. So uh, we're going to talk about the sun if we get any of the, um, you know... Uh, theory if we get the theory of relativity and actually no we can't screw that one up it's too famous yeah true if there's a little thing here or there and you're an astrophysicist please feel free to send us an email correcting us we love that um, um that's the first time we've ever called for corrections before
0: we've done a podcast yeah it is isn't it Not a but good i think song. this one's
1: appropriate so okay. let's let, let me start chuck okay have you ever heard of
0: the sun yes josh all right. I wish we had more of it these days here in cold Atlanta. It is. It's a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'll notice, it
1: snowed here, Chuck. It did. If you'll notice, though, after a couple of days of sunlight, the snow receded. Yes. Do you know why? <laughs> uh No. Radiation. Okay. Heat.
0: Yes. Yeah. Energy.
1: From the sun. Right. Okay, Chuck.
0: The <laughs> sun, which... Josh is one of over one hundred billion stars.
1: It's just a star. It is and not even like a giant star either. It falls uh, a
0: little above average size. Did you know that? Should we talk about the size? Yeah because if there's one thing I can do is read stats. yeah this this is a very stat heavy article, so it should be up your alley. Josh, the sun's radius is about four hundred
1: and thirty two thousand miles. Yeah, it's 109 times the radius of the Earth.
0: Yes, 109, exactly.
1: Which I was like, wow, that means that it has uh, 218
0: times the diameter. No, that's not true. No, still 109. Right. It's constant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like this uh, NASA NASA broke it down, our good friends at NASA, yeah. into something that I understood, which was if you think of the Earth um, the width of an ordinary paperclip is the Earth's radius, let's say. Mm-hmm. Then the sun's radius would be roughly the height of a desk. Yes, and, and I about, know this one. And about 100 steps from each other. Is that
1: what you were going to say? It was what I was going ah, Sorry. That's all right. Hey, <laughs> so yeah, that kind of puts it into perspective. The yeah. sun's a hell of a lot bigger than the Earth. Much, much bigger. And uh, it's pretty far away, right? How many miles did you say? 8 light minutes which is actually chuck uh apparently 92 million miles and change. Right.
0: And to put that in perspective right. other stars are light years away, not 8 light minutes away.
1: Right. And uh since this is a stat bonanza, can I take a shot at one, please? So uh you said that the uh the sun was how many light years? 25,000 light years from the center of the galaxy. Yes, sir. It takes about 250 million years for the sun to uh, do one revolution around the galaxy. Can we stop here? Sure. I feel really good about it so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good too, Chuck. Let's soldier on, shall we?
0: Yes, the sun is a G2 type star right? Uh, based on its temperature and the wavelengths. Of, of light that it emits.
1: Right. And it's about four and a half billion years old, uh-huh. uh, which makes it a population one star. Apparently, there are two types of stars as far as age classification goes. Yeah, I didn't know that. Population one star are the younger stars, which include our sun. Population two stars are older. Right. And they think that there was a third population, but none of them are around anymore. Right. Population three. Right. They should just go ahead and just claim that. Why not? Yeah, exactly. No, we wouldn't know. We'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, nobody would ever know. Yeah, right. Well, luckily, NASA's very honest and forthright. Thank, thank you, NASA. Thank you, NASA. So, yeah, check. The, the sun, we said, is about 4.5 billion years old. Um, and they think it's about – humanity arrived at about the halfway point in the sun's lifetime. Sure. It's got about 5 billion more years' worth of um, fuel,
0: I Which guess. Which is Good news. It is because for us. yeah. At the end of that run, it's not good news for us.
1: No, we'll get to that. That'll be the grand finale. Right, How about that? Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Chuck, what is
0: the sun? Well, should we talk about the parts of the sun, uh, okay. or do you just want to talk about the fact that it's a big, you know, ball of gas? I think we should mention that
1: because if you if you talk about what the sun is, I think it's easier to understand its different components, and then in turn. What it is. Okay. Well, it's made up entirely of gas, Josh. Which is really weird because gas generally doesn't form a ball
0: and have an atmosphere and all that stuff. I know why, though. Why? Because of the extreme uh, gravity. Yeah, and heat. And heat. Right. It holds everything together.
1: Right, which is crazy, so this extreme this extreme heat actually uh, takes this gas and converts it into uh, what is technically a fourth state of matter. You've got solid liquid gas and plasma, yeah, plasma and plasma is a type of gas um, that behaves in a way where it's um, it responds to magnetism, right right Generally, people just say that it's gas. But right, unless you want to get really
0: technical and you, you'll call it plasma. Yeah, that's what NASA said. Is like scientists only sometimes will even call it plasma. Right. So the core, which we'll
1: talk about in just a second, but the core is so dense thanks to the force of gravity that um, it makes up two percent of the sun's volume, but it counts for half of the density of the, the entire sun. Right. And so the the gravitational field in the uh core uh-huh. is so strong that it pulls uh hydrogen atoms together. Right. In a nuclear reaction, a fusion reaction. Yes. Which is where everything begins. Yes. This is what everything is accounted for for the sun,
0: right? Yeah. And a fusion reaction just to if you guys don't know is uh when two atomic nuclei join together and create a new nucleus.
1: Right. Right. And so the uh, the key um the key element, I guess, uh, in the sun's nuclear reactions, because that's all it is. It's not. It's not burning like we consider like a, a wood fire to be burning. Right, right. It's burning like a. Uh, a, a it's a huge nuclear reactor. Yeah, basically is what the sun is. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but the key element is uh, helium four. Right. When helium four is created, um, the it has actually less mass than the two. Uh, I think hydrogen atoms that originally began that set off this chain reaction that led to the creation of helium 4 and since uh matter or energy can neither be created nor destroyed it has to be displaced right uh-huh. Uh-huh. so under einstein's theory of relativity which we won't screw up here right energy equals mass times the speed of light squared you can uh describe how much energy is is created right yeah. so when the mass is displaced when this helium 4 atom is created uh-huh. right mm-hmm. the mass is displaced
0: it's create it it transfers into energy Right. I'm I'm wondering how many of our commuters right now switch this off and just put on Howard Stern on their satellite radio.
1: Like my fingernails are bleeding. I'm (laughs) hanging on just barely right now. You're doing fine. Thanks, buddy. So are you.
0: All right, so Chuck, that's the core. It's the center of the sun. Yes, it extends uh, to 25% of the sun's radius, just so you know how big that is. Right,
1: and it's hot, hot, hot. Big time. 15 million Kelvin, which is really hot. Trust us. (laughs) It is. Um, And uh, that's at the center. Like you said, it's 25% of the radius. What's outside of that? Uh, Just outside of that is the
0: uh, radiative zone. Uh huh. Is that how you pronounce that? One of the, either that or radiative. Yeah. Radiative? Radiative. Radiative. And that, <laughs> they, that extends about 55% uh, of the sun's radius from the core. Right. Okay. So, uh, these helium 4
1: atoms are, uh, created. And remember, they create energy or uh-huh. they, they displace energy, right? Right. When they lose their mass. Yeah. yeah. Translates into energy. That energy starts traveling outward mm-hmm. and it hits the radiative zone. And they are, they're generally, um, the, the type of energy that's created can be gamma rays, X-rays, whatever. But technically, all of these are um, light waves. So they're carried in these discrete little packets called photons, right?
0: Yes, they're carried by the photons and... Uh the photon travels only about one micron, which is a millionth of a meter, uh-huh. before it's absorbed by a gas molecule.
1: Right. Okay. So then this photon, which is absorbed by the gas molecule, heats the gas molecule up, uh-huh. and then the photon, or the uh, gas molecule spits out another photon, which is technically the same one because it's the same wavelength as the original photon, right? Right. And, this and this it goes another itself. micron sure. until it's absorbed by another gas molecule, right? Mm-hmm. So this keeps going on and on and on. And uh, by the time the, the photon escapes from the radiative zone, uh, it averages about a million years from the time it was, I guess, created, you could say, from the uh, creation of that helium-4 atom. A million years for one yeah. photon of light to travel this, uh, this
0: short distance. Yeah, that would be 10 to the 25th uh, absorption and re-emissions right. taking place. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow, that's a lot of zeros. Yeah. Um, it's actually, uh, I think,
1: 25 zeros. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe 26. Uh, so once it escapes the
0: radiative zone, it hits the convective zone, right? Right. And that is the final 30% of the sun's radius, basically. Right. Uh, it, it
1: takes a little while for that same photon to escape that area, right? 100,000 to 200,000 years right, to reach the surface of the sun? Yes. What's crazy is this. Once it escapes, once that one photon escapes the surface of the sun, it takes eight minutes to reach the Earth's surface. Because remember, yeah, we're eight quick. light minutes away and it tra- yeah. light travels at the speed of light. So it takes eight minutes, but the sunlight that's hitting us when we go outside uh-huh. is, are, are made up of photons that were created more than 1.2 million years ago. I, just, I can't even comprehend that. Isn't
0: that awesome? That is really, really cool.
1: So we've got all these ancient photons bouncing off us, but let's get back to the convective zone, right? Okay. This is, uh, this is this area made up of <clears throat> these uh, alternating uh, areas
0: of rising and cooling gas. Right. As NASA, once again, breaks it down a little easier, it's boiling convection cells, basically.
1: Right. It looks like a pot of boiling water. Sure. Uh, except these are gas, right. plasma. And right? there's no pot. No. Just, <laughs> there's only the sun. <laughs> only the sun. Okay, Chuck. So we have the three parts of the sun. We have the core, the radiative zone, and the convective zone, right? Yes. And now we've reached the atmosphere. The sun actually has an atmosphere.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And that's made up of three parts as well. <laughs> right. Right. Correct? The photosphere, the chromosphere, and my favorite, I think everyone's favorite, the corona. I like the
1: corona, which can only be seen in an eclipse.
0: Yeah, corona gets all the press. It does. So, Josh, are we in the photosphere? We are. Is that where we are? It is hot. That is the lowest region in the atmosphere, sun's atmosphere. Yeah. And that is the uh, region that you can actually see from Earth. That's where you can start to see things,
1: right? And actually, the photosphere is what gives the sun its kind of round, crisp edge, uh-huh. because as as um, as you travel outward uh, to the outside of the photosphere, the gas is cooler, which
0: creates that crisp edge we see for the sun. Right, has an average temp of about fifty eight hundred Kelvin, and it is uh, one hundred eighty to two hundred and forty miles wide. Right. That's big. It is big. Uh after that is the chromosphere, right? Yes, that's uh outside the photosphere obviously. Which is about 1200, 1200 miles above the photosphere. Right. And that's about 4500 degrees Kelvin, so obviously you'll notice that it's getting cooler, you know, as you expand outward. Right. But
1: it's still they think it's heated by the uh photosphere and this this churning gas, the convection cells uh-huh. are still present in the chromosphere as well. So basically the what, what we're seeing so far is the sun is this nuclear reactor that at its core gravity is pushing things together and then they're exploding outward
0: right okay okay i'm with okay. you <laughs> but actually I, I sort of misspoke because it actually the temperature does rise across the chromosphere and it can rise up to ten thousand kelvin which is even hotter than the photosphere beneath it right uh and then we have the corona chuck your favorite yeah, that's the final layer, Josh, and it extends several million miles outward uh, from the photosphere, and you can see this. In fact, I think they first discovered the corona during the first solar eclipse.
1: They were like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: how hot is that one, Josh? It's uh two million degrees Kelvin, actually uh-huh. yeah, which again is very hot, yeah, so it's not actually cooling as it goes outward. I completely misspoke no uh
1: it's it's that's the I think that's one of the uh, reasons why the sun has these different features like sunspots and solar prominences, which we're about to talk about, is because these um cooling and heating raising and rising and lowering uh convection cells right. are kind of competing with one another, and they actually create the magnetism that um the plasma is attracted to or responds to, I should say,
0: right? Yeah, and I don't feel too bad because the article even says that no one knows why the corona is so hot. No. Because you would think it would be cooler. Right. But and there are hotter places than others because the cooler spots are called coronal holes.
1: Right. Uh, there are also, let's talk about sunspots, Chuck. Okay. Sunspots are um, these areas of magnetic activity uh-huh. along the photosphere, right? Darker and cooler, right? Um, they always appear in pairs, as far as I know. Although yeah. I think they can appear singularly, but it's very uncommon because it's a monopole, right? Right. Like I said, that there's that um, that convection activity uh-huh. that actually creates the magnetic fields around the sun, right? Right. And so when sunspots appear, generally they appear in, in pairs because one represents magnetic north and the other represents magnetic south. Uh-huh. And along these magnetic fields, other solar activity can occur, right? You've got solar prominences, which is actually an arc of, uh, I think, particles and radiation, that can extend, uh, I think, a thousand kilometers outside of the sun's atmosphere, right?
0: Yeah, they can, uh, and they last for two or three months. It's like a temporary thing.
1: Right. And these things are, it's kind of like um, an arc of electricity, uh-huh. except a lot bigger. Right. Right? Uh, and every once in a while they erupt into coronal mass
0: ejections. Right. Which is my next band name? Is it coronal mass ejection? That's a good one, sure. actually. Uh, can we? Can, I got one more thing on sunspots, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, is you know they break through their magnetic uh, fields; that break through the surface, but they can only enter, exit, and re-enter through other sunspots. Really? Which I thought was pretty cool.
1: That is pretty cool. Yeah. They also occur on eleven-year cycles, right?
0: Yes, the and solar cycle. A full cycle,
1: a full solar cycle is twenty-two years. So every eleven years, it either peaks or troughs. And what's interesting is, um, you know, 2012, yeah. everybody's like, ooh, 2012, the, the world's going to end. And I think we mentioned this in our 2012 podcast. Right. That is the predicted peak of this solar uh, cycle maximum right. that we're in. Uh-huh. So you've got these uh, sunspots. The sunspot activity is going to pick up. When sunspots pick up, solar prominences pick up. When there's more solar prominences, there's more coronal mass ejections. When there's more coronal mass ejections, the Earth is inundated with um, uh, radiation and radioactive particles, right? Right. They hit the Earth's atmosphere and actually mess with the magnetic field. This accounts for the aurora borealis and uh-huh. australias, right? Right. And um, – when enough of them hit the Earth's atmosphere and they, they actually ionize, they interfere with our electrical activity. Right. Then it causes like blackouts. Right. Which is why a lot of people think that 2012 will have all these sure. catastrophes. Right. That makes sense. But really, it's just part of a 22-year cycle right. of the sun. So calm down, all you
0: Mayans. Exactly. No, the Mayans don't think that. No, that's right. Yeah. Josh? Yes. You want to talk about the color of the sun real quick? Yeah. Cause this is a cool little fact yeah. that I bet most people don't know. Cause most people say the sun is yellow or orange. Not true. The sun is actually white. Sunlight is actually white. Do you know why it changes? Why? The atmosphere. Oh, yeah. The atmosphere acts as a filter for the setting sun and that's when it changes its color.
1: Well, and it is white. It does appear white, but it's actually made up of all the colors right. of the spectrum. Right. Which is why you can take a prism and, um, shoot sunlight through it and it spreads into the the, uh, different colors and you have pink floyd's dark side of the moon album
0: cover right yeah got another couple of cool facts what uh rotation of the sun everyone knows it makes a complete rotation in about a month but because it's a uh, a gas basically it's uh, different parts rotate at different rates so gas near the equator takes 25 days to rotate let's say and gas at higher latitudes may take as many as like three more extra days right Pretty cool. So it's rotating at different rates. It is, because it's a ball of gas. Exactly. And I got one more. You ready for this one? Sure. About the vibration? Yeah, this is pretty cool, too, I thought. I had no idea. The sun vibrates constantly like a bell that is continuously struck. Right, creating sound waves. Uh-huh. But there's uh, two minutes between intervals. Yes, and 10 million individual tones at the same time. Right. So Crazy.
1: We, we could, if our hearing was... I guess different, I don't know if better is the right word, but if we had a different type of hearing, uh, we would be able to hear the vibrations coming off of the sun. Because they actually do hit the earth, but like I said in two-minute interv- intervals, the um, slowest distance between intervals time-wise that humans can hear uh-huh. is 1 of a second. Right. So it, it's it's constantly making a sound, we just can't hear it. Which leads me to the question.
0: Uh-oh. If the sun <laughs> makes a sound... While it's vibrating, can you hear it? I bet those blue people in Avatar can hear it. No? You still haven't seen it? I'll I'll never see that movie. (laughs) You should. Never. You're going to be that guy? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, I got a couple of other stats for you, Josh. If you're into it, <laughs> why not? Uh, fewer than five percent of the stars in the Milky Way are brighter or more massive than the Sun, but some are more than one hundred thousand times as bright. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yes, that is pretty cool, actually. And if
0: you go in the other way, some stars are less than one ten thousandth as bright as the Sun,
1: which is kind of nuts. But really, I mean, stat-wise, we have a fairly mediocre Sun. Yeah,
0: it does the trick, though.
1: Yes, it does do the trick, and it should for about the next five billion years, like we said. Yeah, the the sun is middle-aged right now, right? It's about halfway through. Sure. It's starting to look into wearing uh, track suits all the time out in public. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And uh, after about five billion years, it's going to run out of fuel. Yeah, run out of hydrogen. And what happens then? Well, that density of the core is going to remain, but it's not going to have the uh, fuel to create these... um, Nuclear reactions, right? Which remember we said that the the sun is uh, a bunch of nuclear reactions. This gravity smashing things together, uh-huh. and then the energy escaping. Right. So it's this constant push and pull. Well, when it runs out of fuel, there's going to be nothing but pull. There won't be any push any longer, right? Right. Which is bad news for the core. Right. But before this happens, when this when this kicks off, Chuck, it's going to turn into a red giant. Right. And this red <laughs> giant is, you know, how the sun just kind of heats the Earth. Yes. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, it'll heat the Earth, but it's also going to vaporize it when it turns into a red giant. Exactly, which is the bad news for us. Well, we probably won't be around. We'll be long gone. There'll be no trace of humanity anywhere. Yeah, in five billion years? No way. I would think not. I don't know that we have that much staying power. No. No. Um, and so the sun is going to vaporize the Earth, which is probably pretty wicked cool to see right? Uh, when that does happen. Um after that, the core uh, will be... Then the core will turn into carbon. I misspoke earlier,
0: right? Right, which is, uh, cools cools it down.
1: Right. And then as it cools, it'll turn into a white dwarf Uh huh. and then a black dwarf. Eventually, yes. And then it'll just be some Hulk that won't even resemble our sun anymore.
0: Right. And once this whole process starts, it's going to take... Uh Several billion years to even complete that process. Right. So, so it's not like it happens overnight or anything.
1: Probably about 10 billion years from now, the sun will
0: just be this massive hulk of carbon. Right. Like my brain is right now. Right. <laughs> not so massive, though. Can we be done now? I think so. Okay. I mean, there's a lot more. We didn't even touch on uh, solar wind and things like that, but we leave it up to the listener. To Pursue these, uh, do we? yeah, sure.
1: The listener or uh, stuff from the science lab, right? Our soon uh, to be forthcoming sister podcast with the esteemed uh, Robert Lamb, yeah, and his esteemed editor Allison Loudermilk, yeah, and then we can just talk about noodling, yeah, <laughs> we'll go back to what we do best, right. which is pumpkin stuff. So, Chuck, Josh, I can barely get it out.
0: I know, listener mail, okay, I feel so defeated. Uh, I'm just going to call this the best part of this podcast. (laughs) Uh, This is on uh, human experimentation. And we actually, as always, if we put out a call for some random weirdness, there's someone out there that listens to the show that has been there and done that.
1: Yeah, remember the kid whose father used him as a human shield when he was a
0: baby? Remarkable. Yeah. Uh, So I've got this one from uh, Rebecca, and she says this. I just listened to the podcast on human experimentation was thrilled that you featured something I can relate to because I'm a former NASA human test subject. We just talked about NASA. I know. Weird. Funny how that works. Uh, in 2006, I spent three months in a bed at a negative six degree tilt. Isn't that crazy? The effects of the human body at that angle are very similar to what an astronaut goes through after spending extended periods of time in space. Which mm-hmm. makes me wonder how they figure that out, you know? Because they're NASA. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, NASA hopes to take that information they got from my time in bed to help astronauts stay in space longer and travel further from the Earth and one day even land on Mars. Wow. As a test subject, everything I did from surfing the Internet, eating, reading, even using the bathroom was at an angle. Cool. (laughs) Six-degree tilt. Five days a week, I was wheeled to a lab where I was attached to an elaborate pulley system that pulled me onto a treadmill uh, that was bolted to the wall, I walked, jog, and ran a few miles a day to help my body avoid muscle atrophy, of course. Uh, not everyone selected for the study was so lucky, though. Half of them did not get to run in this uh, on this unique contraption. So they were just in bed wow. the whole time. Uh, the data the engineers got from my running will help NASA figure out what types of exercise astronauts will have to do to uh, experience like long extended trips into space. Sure. So while I didn't love everything about it, going to the restroom, for example, it is a thrilling thing to have been a part of. Uh, I'm a huge fan, and I like to learn neat stuff. Cool, <laughs> Rebecca. Did you add that last part? No, no, no. She
1: said that. Uh, okay. Yeah, more neat stuff. Well, thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> uh, hats off to you for helping our astronauts. She didn't mention if, how much she got paid, if at all. But I imagine she did. NASA has deep pockets, buddy. That's what I hear. Yeah. Well, if you have any stories about developing bed sores for the greater good of advancing human knowledge, you can send in an email to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Twenty to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull.